my husband and I decided not to have kids. Yeah. And that was a really big choice for us for a long time, like something that I wrestled with a bunch and people were always handing me their babies. And as soon as we got married, people are like, when are you, when are you having a baby? Blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, and eventually we started, we started a baby fund and we were trying to save for a baby. And it actually took a really long time to go, well, no, hold on a second. Are we just considering this because we're supposed to? Are we just trying to check right. the box? Welcome to the Becoming Future You podcast, where it's all about you. I'm here to help you figure out who you are and what you want out of your life. What are your special gifts? How do you impact others? What does living a great life look like for you? The answers are inside of you, and we're going to unlock them together. It's time to become future you. I'm your host, Mel Jolly. Let's get to work. All right, I am super excited to have my friend Kevin Tumlinson here today. Um, Kevin is somebody that I know through a conference that we both attend, and Kevin is an author of thrillers. He loves to travel. Uh, he's basically living my husband's dream life because he's got this amazing camper van and can travel wherever he wants without having to come home for months and months and months on end. And uh, when Kevin and I were at the conference this past year, um, we started talking about nonfiction, which is, you know, like my favorite thing to read. And he asked me if I'd read uh, Carol Dweck. Which one is it, Kevin? Um, uh, Mindset. Mindset. Yeah. Mindset by Carol Dweck. And we had such great book conversations that by the end of the conference, I had asked him like 17 times to be in a, a book club yeah. that I was going to start. Which I have yet to actually participate in. <laughs> You've yet to participate in. Yeah. But I think he thought I was drunk and that I was just asking him multiple times because I was intoxicated. But no, it's just that I was so excited. So anyway, so pumped that you're here today, Kevin. Yeah. Well, thank thank you. you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, you're basically living my husband's dream life with that. Um, yeah camper van what did is you get, did i did i show you the van when you when we were there did no i, I didn't walk outside, outside. okay no i should have and that's um, understandable now, because that it is like 160 degrees in uh, in florida in that part of florida yeah yeah so yeah i that's that's understandable but yeah that the whole van life thing was something karen and i did for like the past two years um you know it, it didn't start as a pandemic thing it started we originally were just going to do it just yeah you know, we were house shopping one day and we had, we basically had put a bid in on a house and, uh, they came back and asked for, you know, $20,000 more. And we decided, well, we could probably do that. Uh, but you know, what, what are we trying to do here? We're trying to check a box or something like maybe we should look back at, cause we had done the RV thing full time for about two years. Uh, maybe we should do that again, you know, uh, do it a little lighter this time and get on the road full time again. So, uh, that it was surprised me that she was up for it, but she, she's the one who suggested it. So we were going to do that anyway. And then like the day we were closing out our lease on an apartment and moving our stuff into storage, um, the pandemic, they, they, they asked everybody <laughs> to lock down that day. And so, <laughs> so we stayed with her folks for a couple of months, just because we oh had nowhere gosh. else to go. Yeah. Yeah. So. <clears throat> I love that. I love that you um, asked the question, are we just trying to check a box or something? Yeah. Because that is, um, I talk about this in my book, uh, but my husband and I decided not to have kids. Yeah. And that was a really big choice for us for a long time. Like something that I wrestled with a bunch and people were always handing me their babies. And as soon as we got married, people are like, when are you, when are you having a baby? Blah, blah, right. blah. Um, and eventually we started, we started a baby fund and we were trying to save for a baby. And it actually took a really long time to go, well, no, hold on a second. Are we just considering this because we're supposed to? Are we just trying to check right. the box? Right. That seems like a big commitment. Yeah. We're just checking a box. We had a whole similar thing. I mean, we, we can't have kids uh, mm -hmm. for a couple of different reasons, but, um, you know, we were thinking about adoption, uh, which back when we were first considering it, it was just uh financially out of reach for us you know um and i know that there are programs and there's assistance and stuff but 
you know, we kind of got to a point where it's like, well, do we want to have kids? If we're not going to have kids, what do we want to do with our lives? Mm-hmm. And that that sort of was behind travel. You know, we start traveling all over the country and sometimes the world. Excuse me. There's like a smoke or something wafting oh, no. into the office. I'm hoping it's not. The I house. hope your house is not on fire. <laughs> no, actually, this is something that happens to me when I, when there's like aller- allergens in the air as I get all choked choked oh, no. up. So this perfect timing. Thanks, Texas. <clears throat> anyway, so yeah. So we, we've traveled uh, around the world and across the country and that sort of thing in lieu of kids. You know? Yeah. And we still talk about, you know, would we like to have kids? But I'm, I'm pushing 50 at this point. So who knows if that's a wise idea. <laughs> well, you know, I think it's interesting that um, so my husband and I decided not to have a baby. And I, I believe that the universe kind of serves things up when like in the way that it's things are supposed to happen, the opportunities that are supposed to come to you. And for us, we decided not to have a baby. And then we did adopt and we adopted out of foster care and our 10 when we adopted him. And had we had a baby when we were planning to, we would have been disqualified from adopting him. um, Because if you have a baby under a certain age, you can't, at least in North Carolina, you couldn't certify as a foster parent. So yeah, isn't that, isn't that and and um our son because of his age and everything he was really only with us for a short period of time but obviously that's a really important uh time in our lives and uh, i'm really grateful that we had that time with him and it was really only because we opted not to have a baby so you know this is this is one of the conversations that i have with my coaching clients and um on this podcast is what's your version of your most authentic life? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so for you guys, it was okay. Well, if we're not going to have, if we're not going to pursue adoption right now. It's going to be, we're going to yeah. see things. Yeah, exactly. Travel, do the things that, um, that make us feel, you know, passionate about life. Um, you know, for me, that's writing. Mm-hmm. I think Kara is still kind of figuring out, uh, the things that are going to make her, feel that way um so you know it's a little frustrating for her sometimes but uh because i think you know and maybe this is the, sort of the stigma of our culture um but you know there was a great expectation for her that she would eventually have kids she'd be a mom yeah. and uh, yeah. i think she took that in as well now, i don't want to talk out of turn though i mean i'm, I'm not going to talk for her on this uh just, that's you know, it i'm just, just going to line up my interview with kara next yeah yeah do kara <laughs> next yeah so yeah so but, you know, we've had discussions about that. And there's sometimes there's a feeling of regret and sometimes there's a feeling of maybe that was the wise choice. Uh, it's really hard to say. I, I, To me, I abhor a closed door. Like I just can't yeah. abide by, you know, well, we're just going to decide this and that's it forever. You know, right. uh, I like all my options to still be there in some way if, if possible. Sometimes you just you move on. Things become impossible. Um, but sometimes life can remain pretty open ended if you are open minded and, uh, yeah. that's the way I like to live. So well, yeah. whether or not that's right or not, uh, is hard to say. <laughs> well, I think, you know, everybody has to, I really feel like everybody has to come up with their own philosophy for what their version of a meaningful life is. Like that's, yeah. that's the thing I'm always pushing people towards, which is why I'm, I'm, so annoying with all my questions and it's just because i can't handle when somebody's like this is the answer because if somebody tells me this is the answer i'm like i can think of 18 exceptions right now yeah you will just let me my 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 life is stone cold proof of that by the way like i every time i ever thought okay i've got it figured out this is it this is this is the thing this is what this means in my life uh you know life turns right around and, and gob smacks me and you know, sends me in a whole other direction. Like it's, it's happened every time, you know, even to some degree with my writing career, um, you know, it, it's happened multiple times. Cause the, you know, I originally had like a, a, a traditional contract for a book Oh, okay. and financially it was going to kind of just tank me because they gave me an advance. I wasn't going to make any money until I paid the advance back. You know how this goes. Uh, but all the marketing and everything was, you know, I'd say a, a big it's chunk of the marketing you. was coming out of my pocket mm-hmm. out of that advance. And uh, 
since that was the only money I was making at the time, I, you know, I couldn't really afford to do that. And so I ended up paying back that, that advance and everything, uh, buying out the contract and then self-publishing. But, but at the time I thought, well, my writing career is over before it even started. Yeah. And, uh, I'll never, I'll never get this opportunity again. Uh, and then not too long after that came self-publishing and all the wonders of that. And I've had ups and downs in that, that market. So, yeah. I mean, you just never know. Life is going to throw all kinds of things at you and you have to be adaptable. And if you, if you are adaptable, that's when you get to live your best life. Yeah. If If you're rigid, you're, you're going to end up disappointed and bitter and, angry (laughs) yeah well and i think it's um i i really i don't know the origin of this but if it's common in personal growth to hear um life you can either look at life as something that happens to you or as something that happens for you and if you look at it as something that happens for you you're always looking for those opportunities yeah um you know whether it's uh an opportunity for a career you know because you could have decided well um you know, I paid back this contract, my writing career is over and then self-publishing came up and you were like, nah, yeah, <laughs> I already decided nah. my writing career is over. So right. it's funny how often I see authors who do exactly that though. Um, in one way or another, you know, the authors who, you know, they gave it a shot, they put a book up and it didn't sell. So they take it down and they, they never do it again. Yeah. Dreams over. Yeah. Uh, yeah. like, man, I would never, I, it, once my book is, was written, it was, it was going to be published forever uh, because I was the publisher, you know? Yes. If I sell one copy every hundred years, I'm still a published paid author. So yes, I don't understand the uh, concept of yank it down. (laughs) Well, and that's so like what I hear you saying is being a published author is an important part of your identity. Yeah. And for me, that's the same thing. So for me, it was about becoming future Mel, the published author. Yeah. So, um, and even though, and you know this in self-publishing, and just like background for any listeners, I totally neglected this in my intro, and I do have a follow-up question about it. But Kevin works for a company who helps authors um, pub- self-publish their books and, and get it on Apple and Kobo yeah. and Barnes and Noble. He works for Draft to Digital, which is like an, yeah. an aggregator. Is that the right word? Yeah, that's actually, the right don't word. know. Okay. I probably derailed you on the intro. No, 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 no. <laughs> no I told you it's freewheeling. Um, yeah. But as far as me becoming um, future Mel, the published author, when I wrote and published Becoming Future You, even though, and you know this, um, in general, like authors can make better royalties on their self-published authors can make better royalties on their eBooks than on their print books. Right. Uh, because it's just a bigger margin because there's not really a cost. Right. I have, I priced it in such a way that the paperback would be more enticing for people to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, I put a lot of effort into the formatting. I know, well, on YouTube, people will be able to see this, but I'm like super proud of how I formatted it. And I made it like yeah. really skimmable with headings and all my, um, questions stand out. I know that the reason I did that is because of legacy. Yeah. I want to know that when I die, this book still exists on somebody's yeah. shelf. Yeah. One of my proudest, happiest moments was to walk into a half price books and find like three of my books on the shelf. Oh uh, man! So now they were all signed, uh, so that means they were books I gave to somebody for free. But uh, you know, they uh, felt the need to part with them, and that's fine by me. That means that they're floating around. Do you there. know who it was? Did you personally I bet, I, I think, sign it? I think it? at the time I, I did look, um, so I think I knew at the time, but I don't remember now. But yeah, it doesn't matter. That. It doesn't no. matter. Uh, I've, I've had, I've actually, and as you know, I travel the country, right? Mm-hmm. So pretty frequently. Uh, so I have seen my books pop up in like little lending libraries, uh, little oh. neighborhood boxes that people put out. I've seen them pop up in RV parks. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I've seen them pop up in other half price bookstores, you know, so that is there's so a nice cool. used market for Kevin Tumlinson books out there. Apparently. <laughs> Do you take so, them out and sign them? Like when you, when I have done that. Places? I, I absolutely. And, I, and now one of the things I've done also is I'll put books in those little mm-hmm. libraries. Um, and so I will sign them when I put them in there yeah. and uh, usually include like, you know, a book plate or a bookmark or something that can point people back to my website or whatever. Yeah. Um, 
so I see it as a kind of marketing expense, but it's also just, I don't know, it's kind of cool to know somebody in Michigan is reading my book right now or, mm-hmm. or you know, using it to prop up their, their laptop or something uh, while they, yeah, they have their microphone balanced on it. I almost said Skype as if Skype is still. <laughs> <laughs> so. I have one person in my life who still wants to Skype, and I'm like, can't. I'm like, can we get, not? What is the matter with you at this point? <laughs> Skype. There aren't news programs. I have to update it Skype. once a month so that I yeah. can have this one Skype call with her. Now, um, do you write under multiple pen names or is it all Kevin Tomlinson? So I, I, I have a couple of pen names, uh, but I primarily write under Kevin Tomlinson. The pen names are my, that's sort of my experimental thing. And they do, it's really interesting to me when they do well. Um, oh, yeah. Because I do no marketing at all. Like I don't even have mailing lists for them. So uh, they're kind of where I'll put things that I think are something I desperately wanted to be able to write and publish, Mm -hmm. but did not necessarily want anyone to know was me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So not, we're not talking like, uh, you know, taboo erotica or anything here. Uh, Just, you know, there's, there are stories that I want to tell that don't fit my brand, I guess. Um, And, uh, but I just, I want to exist in the world. And I, I have offered rewards at times for people, you know, if you can figure out which, which, of these books is me, like which I wrote that are not under my name. You know, I'll give you a reward and uh, nobody has guessed yet. So, Oh man. Yeah. That's Even when I throw hints. Yeah. And uh, it was funny because one of, one of the books I wrote under a pen name actually ended up doing incredibly well on draft digital and they were praising it in, uh, (laughs) we have, we have Slack. You know, and they were praising it and calling it out. And I, I'm like, yeah. Did you, you didn't tell them? Nope. (laughs) They're never going to know. I'm never going to tell anybody. I decided a long time ago, it's kind of a game. It's like a, it's like a mystery that I'll take with me to the grave. Kind of like those people who hide money out in the mountains somewhere, you know? You have a certain amount of gold buried. Yeah, exactly. You don't know how much money you have, but you know how many pounds of money you have. And they they make decent money. So it's kind of interesting to watch that happen with something that I don't, when I say decent money, I mean, I'm not buying a a Porsche with it or anything, but uh, perhaps a Hyundai. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, they do pretty all right for, for books that get no marketing love whatsoever. They're completely word of mouth. Now, if well, one of them ever hits, somebody approaches me to make a movie out of it or something. Um, you will out yourself, which has happened with the Dan Kotler books. I've had I've had companies approach me about potentially licensing it for like a Netflix series or something, and that always falls through. It, ha- it, it happens about once a year. Yeah, somebody comes along and says, "I'd like to option this for something," and we start negotiating, talking, and then eventually it just falls through. But so if anybody ever comes up and says, you know, if that thing starts hitting like every bestseller list and, you know, generating millions, then I will gladly point, my, you know, point out. It's, it's me. Fine. And yeah. at that point, people are not going to believe you. They're going to be yeah, like, no, come. it's just some other recluse who won't step <clears throat> forward. And you're just trying to take credit. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, then I should reveal to you that that pin name is J.D. Salinger. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> interesting so you are much older than i thought yeah, you were. i was right i was writing books before i was born actually i don't know when was catcher when was catcher in the ride written i don't I mean i know i read it in high school yeah so yeah so it's at least high school age kevin old That's what, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so which came first for you uh working for draft to digital or, or publishing Publishing by far, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I've actually been doing this for since since the dawn of the of the current self publishing age. Really, um, in fact, we did a, a so j- we'll just throw it right out there. So, Draft Digital just acquired Smashwords, mm-hmm. which is sort of our longtime competitor. Um, another aggregator. Another aggregator, and yeah, you know, we brought Mark Coker, the founder of that company, on board. He and I did the Creative Pen podcast. And uh, we were sort of just having a conversation about, you know, uh, many things really to do with the, mostly to do with the acquisition. But uh, he mentioned that he founded Smashwords in 2008. And it sort of hit me at that point that like I published my first self-published book in 2008 and I used Smashwords for the ebook 
So um, oh. we were getting started around the same time. Um, so life went on from there and, um, you know, several books and in many years and a podcast or two later, um, I had Dan Wood uh, from Drafts Digital on my Wordslinger podcast. And uh, at the end of the call, I just sort of casually mentioned, you know, I own a, as, at that point I had my own like marketing copywriting business. Oh, I yeah. said, look, if you guys need any help with marketing, you know, let me know. And their, their director of marketing had just left um, under whatever circumstances. And uh, they brought me on as kind of a contractor to help out with the launch of their uh, universal book links. <clears throat> and then after that, it was just history. I mean, we, you know, they brought me on full time after that. Um, and I've been working with them ever since. So it's been six years now uh, since since I just casually mentioned. If you need <laughs> a hand. Uh, so and the books have done very well in that time. And, you know, we're currently living in the house the books built. Uh, that's oh, the that's way I refer to this place. Because every penny that went into this house came from books in one way or another. Either it was um, my books directly or the salaries that Kara and I make from uh, Draft to Digital. Yeah. We both family business. We both work for Draft to Digital. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm I'm the director of marketing and PR, and she's the um, promotions manager. So. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, and you know what I find um, actually so interesting about this story is that. I actually thought self-publishing started in 2009. So 2008, oh, okay. um, I just well, finished. There oh, was, go ahead. What we think of as self-publishing, the version we think of was around as far back as at least 2006, because mm. I had kind of kicked around with create space around that time. So it's been oh, around. Oh, okay. It wasn't called create space back then, but yeah. Wait, so you're saying print on demand was before eBooks? Uh, it's hard for me to say. I don't know that for sure. I just know that that I was messing around with those things back in 2006 when my original um, trad pub contract fell through, or when I paid it out. Okay. Okay. So, um, so Create Space doesn't exist anymore, but no. it was for print on demand books, which is, mm -hmm. you know, um, you upload your file and then if somebody orders, like if somebody orders Becoming Future You, my book on Amazon, then Amazon prints a copy and yeah. then sends it. So yeah. explaining that because most of my family was like, Melissa, I, I need you to tell your publisher. There was actually, um, of course, it was my aunt. Hopefully nobody else got one, but my yeah. aunt got a copy that the pages were falling out of. She's like, you need to contact your publisher. I'm like, okay, well, it's me. And yeah. first of all, you need to return that to Amazon and tell them to send you a better one. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so I just, I'm, I'm going to bring this loop, this back around, but I just finished okay. reading purple cow. Yeah. By Seth, Seth Godin. Godin. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so he talks about creating products that are remarkable. Now, to be fair, this book is like 2002. Yeah. It's I think it was like a copyright 20 plus years, it's like 20 old. years yeah. old, but he talks about creating something remarkable and getting to what he calls sneezers, which now we would call influencers. Yeah. Um, but people who are going to influence other people and, and you need to get to those people who take pride in being an early adopter yeah. and wanting to try new things. Now, hearing your story, are you one of those people? I, I, I think of myself as an early adopter. Um, depends on what it is. Like I, I haven't gotten into Bitcoin yet. But <laughs> oh my gosh, you're late. Anything I know, uh, <laughs> but anything publishing related, I I'm one of the first people to try it out. In fact, I'm usually one of the people who is um, looped in for free from the beginning because I was there at its origins. And, and a good example of that is um, Damon Courtney, founder of Book Funnel. Uh, mm -hmm. Book Funnel. Uh, he he and I were both at a um, this sort of mini conference. Um, put on by the guys who do the self-publishing what used to be called the self-publishing podcast in austin uh and he introduced the idea just the idea of book funnel and then in that session we sort of kicked around ideas for names logos all kinds of stuff i mean he had some stuff already done right yeah uh, but so i've had an account with book funnel a free account with them since that whole thing was right, was fun right was, was started so um uh and same thing with uh there's like plotter 
uh, you know, I haven't all seen these... them. So, so uh, Kevin, you are the person that people come to or they should. All right. Yeah. So I, I feel like I have entrepreneurs who listen to the podcast who are not necessarily in publishing, but do I, I tend to attract people who have a dream and they're working towards their dream. Maybe they're yeah. trying to find time or how to be more productive or clarity. Like, am I trying to check a box or what do I really want? Right. Um, Kevin is like the person you want to go to if you need a name, if you need a mascot. That's true. I, mean, I, I wish you still freelanced. I mean, I don't. I love that you work for digital. I, I kind of miss it. I, I've thought about opening it up in some select way because for for a few years I did uh, book descriptions um, and honorary quarter would just send anybody who needed a book description my way and I was mm -hmm. not cheap yeah. uh, but you know I was I'm a one-hit wonder on book descriptions like I, I've in all the years that I wrote book descriptions for authors and charged them for the privilege no one has ever come back to me and asked me to make any edits or changes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and which is, which is probably good. Cause I don't know that I would have agreed to do it. <laughs> right. Well, it's, it's like it, it, what I see in you is that you're somebody who found something that you love, you know, you love yeah. words, you love yeah. writing, and then you've just turned it into such a natural, um, it's, it sounds like it's a natural talent, but then also you have an interest in continuing to grow and learn yeah. and try new things and, yeah. and experiment. And what you were going to say with plotter was, so plotter is a, software that authors can use to plot their books and lay right. out their timelines and stuff like that. And those guys were at the Novelist Inc. conference, which we yeah. were both at, and they needed a mask. Did they need a mascot? Uh, or did you just suggest a mascot? I can't remember how that whole thing started, but they were originally kind of kicking around a, a platypus. And I said, guys, you're missing the most obvious thing, the plotter otter. And I think that is now there. <laughs> <laughs> their mascot. So. Ryan Z and I can't remember uh Cameron um Sutter. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. So yeah. And they're great guys. And I love Ryan. Ryan and I have kicked around together for for the past few years. We met it. We met at Nink, actually. Oh, okay. So uh, a few several years ago. But yeah, I'm like, come on, that's a that's a throwaway. Art. Well, you know what's so interesting though? Like it it's okay, two things. One uh, when you're deep in your business, you have, most of us have no perspective anymore. Yeah. Like I, I probably need to book a call, even though you don't freelance anymore. I'm going to book a separate call just with you <laughs> and be like, okay, here's what I'm thinking about. What, <laughs> where do I need to go next? Yeah. Um, but not only do you bring outside perspective, which most people need when it comes to, you know, like, what am I missing on my website? What am I missing in my book description, yeah. my product description? Um, you provide outside perspective, but like, I'm not sure I would have come up with plotter otter. You know what I mean? Like not everybody, not everybody's naturally like, okay. It sounds like you're mentally going through this checklist. It's like, okay, alliteration. No rhyme. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right. Cause they were trying. I was all plotter. for plotter puss though. Pl oh, plotter puss. I was all for plotter puss, but Ryan did not like it. And so uh, plotter otter was the, was to me the second choice. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know what it is about when it comes to uh, titles and headlines mm -hmm. and and taglines and, and uh, things like that. I don't know where or how I um, cultivated that talent, I yeah. guess. Skill is a better way to put yeah. it. Uh, I actually inf infamously uh, I got into an argument with somebody in Vegas one time about whether or not uh, talent exists. Oh, what I, did you I say? don't think it does. Yeah, I don't think there is such a thing as talent. Um, I think there is natural proclivity, and so you can yeah. call that talent. But I think anybody who's ever accomplished anything, um, they may have leaned in on something that they were passionate about and had a natural proclivity for, but it was their it was their work that mm -hmm. got them to the point where they were amazing at it. Like nobody's born a pianist, you no. Know? But there are some highly quote talented pianists out there and they um they got that way by learning to play and putting in the energy and time some people have a natural ability to skip several steps of practice mm -hmm. which is i think was me when it came to writing because i mean i started writing <clears throat> like i tell everybody the story that i wrote my first book at five years old you know and it was big chief notebook paper and one of those big fat practice pencils and i uh -huh. wrote front and back and uh 
and and so you know and it, it's true i wrote short stories and things like that from a very early age as soon as i could speak and write the language i was telling stories yeah um one of my favorite gifts was um someone for christmas one year my my mom and stepdad gave me a tape recorder one of those cassette recorders desktop cassette recorders yeah. and this huge bag of blank cassettes and i dictated like crazy i was a big fan of um of encyclopedia brown back yeah. then so i would dictate kevin tumlinson boy detective stories um i would pay honest to god real money to get if those. any of those still existed i don't know yeah. what happened to them exactly but they're gone uh but yeah so i was obsessed with storytelling right from the start i wouldn't say that it was a talent though i would say i had a natural interest in it and a passion for it somehow nurtured by you know we, maybe it was by my genes i don't think so i did find out i'll tell you a story in a second but um <laughs> i'm full of stories by the way Perfect. But, uh <laughs> i think once it once i discovered something i liked i just ran with it and i skipped skipped several steps of practice because i was so passionate about it i was learning it almost through osmosis mm -hmm. but i did find out in the nature versus nurture argument I have always been nurture, okay? But I met my real world, real life father, uh, blood father uh, for the very first time when I was 38 years old, okay? Uh, never having met him in all those years prior. Um, and when we got to know each other, we discovered certain little quirks about the two of us, like one of which was um, he too was an author. He, he was writing westerns primarily really uh yeah and so he um we had that in common i'm like well what are the odds and then there were other little quirks like that so yeah. i think there is a nature component to who you are um despite the fact that that rankles me to my <laughs> core well, it sounds like it sounds like it's so important to you to uh make your own way yeah which I'm i i mean i'm that way yeah i mean as yeah. well oh i'm supposed to tell you I'm supposed to tell you, Kara said she looked up her, uh, oh, her tendency, her tendencies. Yeah. She says, uh, well, apparently it did not appear. Uh, she's, she says she's the, uh, um, I am, she thinks a questioner slash rebel. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. And she's a rule follower plus questioner. Oh, okay. I'll let you decide what those yeah. things are. Yeah. So that's, um, that's from Gretchen Rubin's The Four Tendencies, okay. which I was going to ask you uh, several minutes ago. I was like, I got to ask him what his I tendency is. I haven't read is. that one yet, but apparently um, you a must, questioner. you must read it. <laughs> and um, so the premise of The Four Tendencies is there's, there's four different uh, natural inclinations people have about how they respond to internal and external expectation. So the upholder responds equally well to internal and external. They can make themselves go for a run. They can be on the track team at school and yeah. they're fine. Um, the obliger only responds to external expectations. So they can run if they're on the track team, but they cannot um, make themselves go for a run. Okay. The questioner has to make everything internally meaningful. Yes, that is definitely so me. <laughs> Yeah. That yeah. And that's, and I am, I retook it recently, which is probably part of why I, uh, I bumped our, um, thread for our, our book club <laughs> is, um, I, the first time I took it was a questioner, but like there's overlapping circles. So that's why, you know, Kara's saying she's upholder to questioner and you're yeah. questioner to rebel. I am questioner to rebel. And, um, sometimes my rebel tendencies are more, more strong than others. Yes. So, so like how you saying you don't want any closed doors. I mean, yeah. that's me too, because yeah. it's partly, it's partly strategy. Like what if I want to go through that door later? I right. don't want some door telling me I can't go through it. Right. Right. And as you can imagine, by the way, this made the pandemic so much fun um, <laughs> because, you know, wear a mask get a vaccine get a booster uh all those things rankled me and uh, tell everybody telling you what to do yeah and it wasn't so much that i was anti-vax or anything like that by the way um i actually ended up getting the vaccine uh even though i i we, we i had covid twice 
Um, I, I don't think at this point anybody on the planet is more immune to this than I am. Uh, <laughs> but I, uh, I just, I just resented being forced to, you know, being, being told, what to do. told you, you must. Yeah. And, uh, like, well, no, I damn well must not. I, I will, I will die on this hill. Um, you are not the boss of me. You're never going to be the boss of me. That's... No, sometimes you're rebellious to the point of self-destruction though. So I, I've tried to temper that over the years, but I don't, I, here's my thing. If I, if I can justify, like you said, if I can internalize it and, and discover why it matters, why it matters, I need the why. If I, mm -hmm. And if I can get the why, then I, I can change the way I think. Mm -hmm. uh, or change how I feel about something or what I choose to do. Um, but if you, if it's a, because I told you so, you know, you can ask my mom, that never worked. My grandmother no. will tell you the same thing if she were still alive. That never worked, never was going to work. Um, you have to, t you, you know, and I remember just, you know, I, I think if my mom could have, she, she might have savagely beaten me for, <laughs> Uh, my attitude and mouth uh, when I was a kid because you know and t she got tired of having to explain why because yeah you know you're a parent you shouldn't have to explain to this you know five-year-old kid why they have to do x y or z so anyway. I I was the same yeah. Kevin we could have been friends as kids because Probably. my poor mother I mean mm. and I was the oldest of four so luckily I became independent really quickly yeah and as long as I just didn't pop up on her radar Right. You know, I could do what I wanted, which well, was to read the for the most part and I write books. Independent, not necessarily rebellious, right? Because mm -hmm. I um I could be rebellious depending. I mean, if you tried to force your will on me, then I was gonna rebel. But if but if I so I remember one time my grandmother just making a casual comment that she was always so proud of me because I would I brushed my teeth, you know, oh, no. morning and night, right? Did you and stop? I'm like, no, 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 okay. I didn't okay, see good. that was, that was an, all That's she said rebellion. was, I'm gotcha. really, I'm really, it makes me proud to know that you do that. Or she said something along those lines. Um, and, and from that point on, I mean, for the rest of my life, you know, brushing my teeth morning and night, that's, that's what I do. I'm going to do it, you know, all, always because I had a reason it made her internally proud. And I was meaningful. Right. Yeah. It became internally meaningful. And so therefore became part of my personality. Um, yeah. It's amazing to me, by the way. One thing that I find very interesting is, you know, we, as we've discussed, like I read a lot of nonfiction, a lot of, you know, a lot of books about how to shape your own character and better yourself. I'm, I'm finally got around. I've started reading Atomic Habits, for example. Um, it's amazing okay. to me. I should have read it years ago, but I know everything that's in it because everyone talks about it. It was uh, one of those books. It's still top yeah. five. Yeah. In its category on Amazon. Yeah. So there's, I'm not discovering anything new by reading it, uh, but it is reinforcing a lot. But what's interesting to me is how often um, I will naturally come to a process that these, that these people recommend uh -huh. in the book. So like, for example, um, there's something he talked about in the first, like in, in chapter three or something about point and call. And it was about how in Japan, the train, the people who operate the trains have a safety procedure where um, they, you know, they point and say, the light is green, uh, passen the doors are locked, you know, mm -hmm. uh, the train, uh, no, all passengers are aboard and they, they point and they call, right? And it's a way uh, to reinforce that, you know, that checklist of things without becoming so rote that you don't think about it and then the mistakes happen. Well, I mean, I've been doing things like that for years. Uh, my wife make, makes fun of me, but like uh, when we close the garage door, I say the garage door is closed. And uh, <laughs> that's to, that's so that when we're driving off. You know, I, you said a lot. You don't have to wonder. Yeah, exactly. I have turned off the stove, you know, things like that. Um, I do that too. Yeah. So that's, that's point and call. And that, that, I'm like, I, I came to that naturally. I didn't remember that as being part of Atomic Habits. It's so interesting to me, like which parts of which books stick Who with picks person. up on what? Yeah. yeah. And I think it's it's dependent on where you are in your life, what you're ready to hear, what you need to hear. Um, but I, I'm going gonna, gonna to tell you one of the things that's on my list. Okay. For my point and call list, I'll say, you know, like I turned off the stove, I locked the kitchen door, whatever. Um, 
and and when i was in college i didn't like carrying a purse yeah you know women supposed to carry purse our clothes yeah. don't have good pockets in them but yeah. you know, i just always made sure to wear man shorts yeah because they had great pockets um and i would always make sure i had my wallet and my yeah. chapstick and then once i got a cell phone my cell phone so those three things so still to this day when i'm leaving the house i'll say i have my wallet my chapstick my cell phone and i'm wearing clothes <laughs> which makes it sound like i walk around naked which yeah, i yeah. don't <laughs> I think it became a fear because my friend, my friend uh, that I lived with, who I actually interviewed on the podcast um, a couple weeks ago, she she came to class one day not wearing any shoes. Uh, and yeah, I'm just thinking, that. if that's possible, what might I walk out of that? I house mean, like? okay, the only the closest thing I've ever done to that, and I only did it one time, was I. I got to work and realized I was wearing a pair of um, slippers that were shaped like uh, moccasins. Moccasins? The, yeah. The, yeah. You know, yeah. Native American shoes. Um, Kara had gotten me some and it was cold. And so I decided, well, I'll try these out because I don't like stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't like slippers. I don't like robes. I don't do any of that. Okay. So um, I get to work and realize I'm wearing them. <laughs> <laughs> And I didn't even have socks on. Like I'm just wearing <laughs> straight up slippers. So see, and that's what happens because we do so much. The atomic yeah. habits, um, he even says in the book that he hopes that his book picks up, and this is James Clear. He hopes that his book picks up where the power of habit leaves yeah. off. And the power yeah. of habit is by Charles Duhigg. Um, that's actually the first nonfiction book. That was the book that taught me that nonfiction could be interesting to read. Yeah. That was like my gateway book because Charles Duhigg is such a cliffhanger of a writer. Like, have you read his, his, uh, I, ha I haven't read that yet. Oh my gosh. You need to pick up the power of habit. Okay. It, it, only if only cause it's a fun read, even if you don't learn anything. Yeah. <laughs> Which you probably no, will. I've got this list sort of ongoing, ever growing list of books that I think everyone should read that i you know i've read probably maybe 60 percent of you know mm -hmm. uh, and yeah. that's well, that's on it too but that, it's yeah. kind of hard because every time i turn around someone's come out with a new book that i add to the list you know oh i know i know so. i um to go back to atomic habits the thing that stood out for me in that one was um he talks about each time you do the habit it being a vote for and i'm going to use my language because i don't remember his language future you yeah. So like that future identity that you're trying to take on. So yeah. for me, um, when I was trying to become future Mel, the published author, every time I worked on the book, which was the habit I was building, it was a vote for that version of future Mel who had yeah. a published book. Right. Right. So that was that was one of the, and that. And he talks about the difference between motion and action. Yeah. Being in motion and taking action. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I will read it. I got to catch up on all the not a book club books that we've been discussing. First. <laughs> I know. It's a very, it's a very long list. So what have you read? Okay, so Mindset by Carol Dweck. So this is my opportunity to tell you that I started it and I haven't finished it yet. Okay. I got the audiobook, but I haven't. I'm in the middle of that. And um, uh, which Ryan Holiday book, oh, um, um, like like the first one. The obstacle is the way. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Hold on. Hold on. Kara got me that book in Leatherbound for Christmas, oh. and it came with. I don't know if you can see this. Ooh, fancy. Yeah, and it's, it's like a silver coin. The Marcus Aurelius quote on the back. Wow. Yeah. It's like a challenge coin. So for the people listening and not watching, this is a round object made of metal, stamped with <laughs> the obstacle is the way and a little mountain on it. And then it says, the impediment to action advances action. What stands in the way becomes the way. Big fan. Are you Ryan yeah. Holiday fan? And he lives near me now. Like he lives oh. in Bastrop, Texas, which is only about 45 minutes from where I, maybe an hour from where I built, we built our house. So I'm, uh, you're uh, going to bump one into day him. I'm, he owns a bookstore in Bastrop. So I'm going to go over there. I just got to, got to find the time. 
Yeah. Well, anyway, we, I'm sorry. I interrupted we you know we don't find time. We make time, Kevin. Make so you have time. to make have the to time. Make time. Yeah. yeah. So what would you recommend? Like As what's on your top? Yeah. What's on your top list? Oh, gosh. Um, so, I mean, from a writer's perspective, I always recommend Stephen King's On Writing because mm -hmm. I think it's part memoir, part uh, how-to. And I think the memoir is maybe more valuable than the how-to. Oh. Um, but I think that as a writer, I think that's an absolute must read. Um, Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning mm -hmm. had a huge influence on me. Um, and uh, from that, uh, you know, I sort of branched into uh, The Obstacle is the Way is another one that I that I recommend. Um, so there, there's a lot of those kind of books. I It's hard for me to narrow down... Um, a, like my favorite or the most influential on me because I reread them so often and they kind of cross over, you know? Right. Um, mindset was a, was a eye opener. Uh, the power, is it called the power of influence or how to win uh, friends and influence people? No. So that's, that's, that's uh, Dale Carnegie. Yeah. Carnegie's book. And I do recommend that this one's like, um, a more modern and more recent book, like in the past five years was, was printed. Uh, and it may have just be it may just be called influence, but um, I read that, and it, I mean, yeah. See, it was so influential that I can't remember the either the <laughs> title or the author. Um, but if I can find it, I will show you. I, I, I can recognize it by title. It's called Influence: The Psychology oh, okay. of Persuasion uh, by Robert Cialdini. Uh, Cialdini, C I A L D I N I. Uh, that's a great book if you for learning more about um, a marketing mindset. And that's that's been my focus, which is why I read Purple Cow. Yeah, um, anything Seth Godin. I I will recommend. Seth I liked Godin. the dip as yeah. well. Uh, by Seth all Godin. Malcolm Gladwell's books as well. Uh, Blink was a really good one. Um, I haven't read that yet. He he wrote one that was uh, all about David and Goliath. It may have been called David and Goliath. Um, that I thought was very interesting and influential. So yeah, tons, tons of nonfiction books. Uh, I, and I read a ton of them. I'm reading Atomic Habits right now, which is great. Um, but I've read, you know, over the past year, I read like 60 some odd books, um, most of which were nonfiction. So, um, and that's actually down from previous years. And so far this year, I've, I've not read as many books as I'd like because I, keep getting sidetracked by moving and right and other things <laughs> work and yeah so but when you're when you're reading all these um what is there anything that happens after you read it like do you read it and go okay i'm gonna try this thing or you read it and you say okay well i'm on the right track is there anything you're looking for seems like i, I maybe read more for confirmation than um than anything else. Uh, I mean, I learn new things and I do implement the things I learn usually mm -hmm. as I go. Mm -hmm. So I'm a journaler, right? I, I, I have, uh, for years and years, I've, I've got hundreds of these little pocket moleskin notebooks that I keep a journal in and I have a digital journal. I use an app called day one, uh, which I highly recommend, but uh, in fact, here's uh, one of my. Is that a journaling app or what is that? It's a journaling app. Yeah, day one. It's it may only be available on Apple devices, um, but I, you know, it, it's I've got it on it's on both iOS and um, Apple OS, mm -hmm. so I can use it across devices and it syncs up. But that's important, an important one though, because one of the things I do when I'm reading is I, I stole a, a trick from Ryan Holiday. He keeps what he calls his commonplace book. Mm -hmm. And he actually reads physical hard copy uh, books and highlights them. And he has note cards and he makes notes on the note cards. And then he files them in this big file box thing uh, by category. And so that's his commonplace book. He, he goes back periodically and reviews that and that's how he writes his books he basically mm -hmm. reads reads and researches for a living and that's the method he uses well i really liked the idea but when i started implementing it we were on the road and i i tried to do the note card thing and realized very quickly i, I got nowhere to store right in the van right 
so I started using, so I used day one anyway for years. Um, but I created a journal in day one called my commonplace book. And what's great is when I'm re I read nonfiction on my phone mm -hmm. and I read fiction on my Kindle device. Uh, so when I'm reading nonfiction on the phone, I can very quickly highlight a passage, share it to day one, mm -hmm. and then I tag it, you know, it lets you tag each one. So I tag it with the author name, the title of the book, and the key concepts from it. And then if I want to write any notes about it, I write the notes underneath the segment that I've quoted. Mm -hmm. And if it's particularly interesting to me, I don't just quote it. I also share a, because the Kindle app lets you create a uh, graphic from a quote. Oh yeah. So I have it create the graphic so that it's, it's even more memorable. And then I have the text and then underneath that, I'll put any notes I have about it. And then, um, oh, you know, I'll go back to that occasionally and reread the quote. And because it includes a URL to the book on the Kindle app, it'll open that in the Kindle app. If I want to go back and read in context. Mm -hmm. So I always highlight that segment in the Kindle app. Then I share it to day one to my commonplace book journal and I make my notes and I tag it with everything. And so it's all there. So uh, as I've been doing that over the past year, I mean, I've got thousands of, of entries um, because every book, you know, you'll do several hundred. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And that's, that's, I, I took on that practice after reading about it first in one of Ryan Holiday's books and then watching several YouTube videos in which he kind of outlined how he does it. And I don't just do this with books, by the way. I do it with um, YouTube videos. Like I'll oh, okay. uh, play the video, I'll link to the video in a day in day one in the commonplace book. I'll create an entry, link to it. I'll usually grab because a lot of times the videos that interest me most have um, a little menu of time code and stuff about things mm -hmm. they talk about or links to things that they're referring right. to. And, and then I will, while watching the video, have that open and I'll type up anything that catches my attention, any quotes, you know, any, anything that the person says in the video and I'll grab the time code because you can share a specific time code to specific mm -hmm. places on a video and I drop it in. So I've got this growing list. I'll, I'll do that with tweets. If somebody set, tweets something that I think is interesting, I'll grab a link to it. I'll grab the quote, I'll put it in there. Um, I do it on articles online, you know, I've got this growing list of stuff. And since I can do it on my iPhone, iPad, and right. laptop, um, I have, I'm, I'm almost never without a way to capture that stuff. Right. So, so do you, that's what I do, do. You, <laughs> well, the thing that I like about that is, so, um, one of the things that Charles Duhigg talks about in, I can never, sometimes I get his two books mixed up, but I think it's smarter, faster, better. He talks about um, our need to manipulate data in order to actually process it and store it in yeah. our brains. Yeah. Um, and he uses an example of a school and the uh, school administration making teachers manually write on poster board each of these students like test scores and stuff on a daily yeah. basis. And then they were able to start like piecing together. OK, well, this kid is having this problem. And it was um, really, really poorly ranked school in Ohio that had a high dropout rate. Um, I know I have to manipulate information in order for it to stick in my brain. So I never yeah. use an app that will hand deliver something to me. So um, like I don't use screen time on my phone because in general, like my phone's not an issue for me. Right. But right. even if it was, a report being delivered to me on my phone is not going to help me because I'm just going to ignore it. I, yeah. I just don't, I won't store the because information. That's the, that's the rebellious thing again. That's, <laughs> don't You're tell the me. Boss of me. <laughs> right. That's tantamount to telling me I shouldn't be using my phone so much, you know? Right. Like, right. I'll don't tell me anyway I want. That's right. Don't tell me what to do. This is like a slight tangent. I realized because of my rebel nature, um, I wasn't doing reels on Instagram, even though I knew mm -hmm. that like, reels were what was popular and that's yeah. where the al that's what the algorithm is favoring and i'm like but it's just like people copying each other and i can't i can't like i don't fit that mold i don't look right, right. my most popular reel so far has just been me saying like i can't 
quote, I can't do reels because I don't have long hair and I don't wear a lot of makeup because that's what my feed is. It's like really yeah. beautiful women doing yeah. reels. I'm like, I can't. Yeah. So anyway, um, rebel nature. Okay. You, you have to manipulate the information. So I like that your system, like, even though you're not handwriting things, yeah. you are sitting with that information for enough time for you to tag it, yeah. save it, turn it into a quote, save mm -hmm. the time code, at which point, yeah, you are cataloging it for future Kevin's reference, but right. it's also storing itself in your brain because you're sitting with it long enough to like, right. really think about why does this matter to me? And yeah. what, and because I know you're a questioner, you're making it internally meaningful. Right. This is not this exactly. book telling me what to do, yeah. but it's raising some kind of question or whatever. Yeah. And honestly, the, just the act of recording it is, is generally enough for me. Like I, I learn from it and remember it later and reference it later. And you yeah, know, I don't, I don't have to necessarily even go back through it. Um, but what it's kind of like looking at a photo album in some ways, like sometimes mm -hmm. I'll go back through stuff like that, just, just in, and have a nostalgic moment. And then yeah, it's like, Oh, you know, I, so that's where I learned to do that. You know, yeah. that's, oh, that's, that's when why. I started that habit. Right. So, or it reminds you of where you were in your life, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, at that point in time, that that thing was meaningful to you yeah. then. And then you can it, measure your growth. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And you, you can, can see, see oh, I don't even need that anymore because I have overcome that right. particular issue. And I think it's so important that we note our progress, yeah. that we note, okay, I'm growing, I'm making progress. I'm, I'm working towards this thing because um, a lot of us don't do that. And so it keeps our confidence low and our self-esteem low because we're not locking in those wins. Right. Okay. So Kevin, I've taken enough of your time, but I have one final question for I'm you. I'm easy to get off track. <laughs> no, I've had a great time <laughs> with this. And just like listener, by the way, I invited Kevin on and I'm like, here's my idea. We're going to talk about books because... <laughs> because that's what I was harassing him about at the conference. Right. I'm like, you got to be in my book club. It's going to be unconventional. Now we know why Kevin said yes to an unconventional book club and why yes. I, I was so insistent that it must be unconventional. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so knowing that growth is important <laughs> to you and knowing what we know about you, that you, um, you and Kara decided, okay, well, we're going to take off and we're going to travel, even though that's yeah. not conventional. Um, I, I often ask people to kind of project forward to like five years from now, Kevin, yeah. assuming that five years from now, Kevin is an even more authentic version of you that he's living. I try not to say like better or best or whatever, but he's mm -hmm. living an authentic life that he yeah. really enjoys. What kind mm -hmm. of advice would he have for present Kevin? Like, what would he suggest that you be doing now so that you can reach that version of future um, Kevin? I'm pretty sure he would tell me to relax and stop, stop stressing over things that aren't in my control. Uh, pretty sure. Because uh, that's the same advice I give five years ago, Kevin, and I didn't listen then either. Um <laughs> I'm pretty sure he would say uh, it's okay to not accomplish everything on your list mm. as long as you attempted to accomplish everything on mm -hmm. your list. Uh, it would be a lot of advice like that. I, and I think that there would be encouragement too because there are things that I've started doing. I've noticed um, I've, I've started taking note of things that I do um, that sort of became habits and, and became something um, that I find helpful and useful and personally uh, beneficial that I didn't necessarily learn from someone else that just sort of came to me. But I, so I always assumed that meant that it wasn't the right thing, you know, like, oh, uh, I assumed, assumed that, okay, well, I like to journal and I like to do it this way. Uh, and it wasn't until, you know, I maybe came across a book that said, you could, you, <gasps> this is one way you could do it. And then it was sort of like validation. So um, that's, that's, I think I would encourage myself and say, you are, your intuition is, is, is better than you realize or yeah. is enough for you to uh, guide your life by. So 
Things like That's that would be my advice. Great. And that that totally explains why when you're reading, you're looking for a confirmation that you're doing. Yeah. You're looking for somebody with authority to tell you. Yeah. Yes, that is a good way to journal. In, yes, in that a way is. you don't want to live like that. But in another way, I mean, I I see it as um, it is it is sort of looking for confirmation. But it's also part of it is um, I can see like if I'm having trouble understanding something about what I, who I am or what I do, and then I see it reflected in something else, mm -hmm. it's insight. And so yes. it's less about confirmation and more about um, gauging my progress, I guess. In a way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the seed that I'm going to plant for future okay. Kevin. Okay. All right. All those notes all this reading that you're doing mm -hmm. what if future kevin wrote his own nonfiction book yeah yeah i mean i've written nonfiction books have you written a personal they're all growth aimed book at and writing. i just don't know about it i don't have a personal growth book per se although 30 day author had a lot of personal growth stuff in it mm -hmm. even though it was aimed at the author market but yeah i i have wanted i have i, I have secretly that's a secret uh indulgence of mine is i think i do want to write something like that it's not um, secret anymore I, I think my problem <laughs> is i don't feel like i'm qualified to do it right oh. oh you're still a mess kevin you still got you still got all the same problems you've always had who are you to give anybody advice i think there's a lot of that that happens for me so sure sure yeah, and that's yeah. you know i appreciate that honesty because that is i mean everybody i coach yeah um luckily for me, my, all my uh, insecurities about my own book only came after it was fully published. Yeah. Like as I'm writing it, as I'm publishing it, as I'm promoting it right at the beginning, I'm like, this is amazing. Holy, <laughs> I am like some kind of genius. This is going to help so many people. So luckily it was fully fleshed out and I can't change it before I was like, should I? Well, there's uh there's a movie. I think it's called little miss sunshine. I mean, there is a movie called that, but I don't, I haven't watched it. I think it. that's the one that I'm thinking of. No, that's the book. Um, there's so, or maybe it's Sunshine State or something like that. Um, but anyway, in that movie, and I can't remember the, the actor's name either, um, but in that movie, the there's a guy, the father, and he um, was, he uh, became a motivational speaker. Mm -hmm. But he hadn't actually done anything like he hadn't he hadn't actually accomplished anything. And so he had this process he was pitching to everybody about how to get their lives on track and and, and become successful. But he was, you know, broke and, you know, uh, barely scraping by and, and could only book speaking gigs in like town halls with you know elderly people and stuff <laughs> like that. And so that's my greatest fear is that if I ever wrote a book about anything self-help or or uh self-improvement or anything like that that i would be that guy um that i would you know who are who are you to you know tell anybody how to get their life together or whatever that would be my they only hang up for me you know and <laughs> i, I think that's that that's so um i think that's your thing like i think that's your in <laughs> honestly uh because if you think about you know and as rebels i'm i will i promise that i'm barely ever going to ever bring this up again because I know as rebel, like I can't tell yeah. you or suggest you to do it. I'm just going to throw the idea out there. Um, but I find that when I'm reading things, learn, uh, watching videos online, whatever, unless I feel like that person is living a real life. Yeah. Um, I can't. So I, one of my favorite motivational people I, I actually, I feel like he's incredibly smart. He's super good at teaching. It's Brendan Burchard. Yeah. Um, I have yeah, <laughs> at least one of his books. Do you? I know. Okay. Yeah. Like probably high performance habits. Um, but every now and then I find myself getting mad at the Brendan Burchard that lives in my head. Yeah. Cause I'm like, so I got something going on at home and I'm like not getting things done or I didn't get in my workout or whatever Brendan would yeah. suggest yeah. or I hadn't drank my water. Um, I'm like, Brent, Melissa, Brendan wouldn't do this. And I'm like, okay, first of all, Brendan is a man. <laughs> Second of all, Brendan is not living my life. You know, yeah. so I'm mad right. at this fictional, this fictional right. Brendan. He gives great advice. Um, 
but the version mm -hmm. of him that I see, I know is not the version living a real life. Yeah. Because he is not somebody who's like, and now I'm at home in my dirty house with my 17 kids. And sometimes I get nervous too. And I'm not, which he does share all that stuff, yeah. you know, but the fictional Brendan in my, who lives in my head is perfect. And so your Motive. mess is your message is yeah. what they tell you. Your message is your message. I like it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right. Well, on I'm that doing... note, Kevin, thank you so much for being here. I had oh, such a good time. Me. I really appreciate you. And uh, people can find you at kevintumlinson.com. Is that right? That's right. Everything yeah, that's I do is there. Everything that you want us to know about. Everything I want that's to know, you. which is everything I do. Okay. Your fiction <laughs> and your nonfiction. Yeah. And uh, what is the prize if somebody finds one of your <laughs> pen if you names? Can figure out, if you can figure out <laughs> what my pen names are, even just one of them, uh, I don't know. Should I offer like a cash prize or something? Or I feel like how many years have you been? Um, has nobody guessed? Uh, it's it's been at least it's been at least six years. At least six years. I mean, yeah, cash prize because Kevin. Here's my plan: ten years yeah. from now, this is going to be like one of the most popular podcasts. Oh, People yeah. are clearly going to go back through all the old episodes. Tell you what, you uh, know, so you be ready. Yeah, if you can figure it out, I give you. I'll give you the equivalent of every penny of royalties that 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 that, that book has. It, 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 it's multiple books, so so you'll have mm. to figure out. You'll have to connect me to a specific book. If you can connect me to a specific book uh, that I wrote under a pen name, under this, I don't know. That's hard because if I come out with new pen names later and people listen to this later, they're going to say, "Oh, but that's you." Okay, uh, well, so as of pre as of published by. Anything pr March published prior to February 22nd, 2022. <laughs> okay. <laughs> any okay. of my books. Any and of we my... got to limit guesses. One guess? You get one guess. One guess. So you better you better know it. Yeah. I'll give, I'll give you the equivalent of that book's royalties since it was published. Now, that may only be 50 bucks on some books. I'm just going to tell you right now. <laughs> it might be... Closer to about 200 grand on another book. So yeah, and we'll say the royalties that it earned by February, 2022, because we want to allow future Kevin, you yeah, know, like exactly. movie rights and stuff. Exactly. Okay. You can't, you can't get in on that. Please, please. <laughs> I got high strategic, high futuristic. Like I can't. Okay. Now we put enough limits on it. Thank you, Kevin. Thank so you for caveats. being here. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Awesome. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and got something you needed. If you did, please remember to take a screenshot of the podcast and post it on your favorite social media platform. Not only will it help this growing podcast find new listeners, you also retain new information better when you tell others about it. So make a quick post about today's episode and then take action on what you learned. Remember, if future you is different than present you, that means you're going to have to do something different. If you'd like to get more clarity on who you want to become, download the free Becoming Future You Starter Guide at becomingfutureyou.com forward slash start.